Warning, this podcast may contain graphic and triggering content. Please listen at your own risk. Each individual struggle is different and everyone's recovery and healing journey is different. Please reach out to a certified medical professional if you need help. Welcome to episode 14 of Stomp the Stigma, the podcast aimed to fight the stigma surrounding mental health through education, awareness, experiences, stories, resources, and the vulnerable truth. Joining me to Stomp the Stigma today is Holly McCorriston. She is a former pharmacist turned life coach and mental fitness trainer, and she's here to share her insights into mental health and how you can heal yourself, your body, and your mind without the use of prescription drugs. Hello. Hola. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Good. Uh-huh. Well, it is so nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. It's it's a. Uh, I mean, you see the picture and then you listen to the podcast, but it's like, oh, yeah. they're together now. Yeah, it's nice to put like an actual, I guess, voice to a face. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm super curious about your like transition out of pharmacy and this massive shift in your life. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, well, I was gonna say, where do you want me to start? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess, like, what kind of led up to your decision to leave that industry and like a career that as lucrative as pharmacy, and I I guess as stable, um, in some sense, like what led you Uh to making that decision to just leave everything and, and move and start your own thing? Honestly, it didn't feel very good anymore. Like, I, uh, I don't know. How much do you know about pharmacy? Um, well, my sister and brother-in-law are both pharmacists. Okay. So, okay, so you know quite a bit. A, a little. <laughs> yeah. For, well, what they've told you or whatever. So you, yeah. are they in retail? Uh, no. Ah, no, they're okay. in the hospital. So they probably have quite a bit of a different perspective than I do. But yeah, I graduated from the U of S in 2009 and I took a job in my hometown, so Kindersley, Saskatchewan. And I mean, I was always a overachiever, for sure. Um, anyway, I and, and I don't I don't even honestly know how I ended up in pharmacy. People are like, "Oh, you must have really wanted to help people," and I'm like, "No, I really didn't know what I wanted to do." And I walked past the pharmacy office, and there was a poster that if I paid seventy five dollars by Friday, I could apply. and I got in so then of course the story is oh man pharmacy's so hard to get into and I'm like wasn't hard for me (laughs) like I don't know yeah Um, like listening to I guess the admission process for my sister it seems way harder than than just yeah like your marks had to be quite good like I don't know and I mean it was funny because like in in like I was I was always a really good student. Um, yeah. And they, I think they tell you when you go from high school to university, your marks, you should expect your marks to drop about 15%. And mine did, but mm-hmm. that meant they were still in the mid 80s. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so I don't know. It was just kind of one of those things, but I don't, I never liked it. Like I really never liked it, mm-hmm. but 
I was smart. I had the degree. Um, I mean, I've done a lot of trauma work the last two, three years too. So like I recognize now that I was probably in pharmacy to please my mom. I was like the first daughter in my family, you know, in the family to kind of go to school. It had never really been told that it would be an option. You know, I was just always going to school Mm because nobody else had. (laughs) But yeah, I never really cared for it. And then I worked in my hometown right up until December 2020. Uh, but yeah, so retail pharmacy, especially in Saskatchewan, has been changing since the day I graduated. Like it was mm-hmm. like graduate and you're like, okay, trying to figure it out. You're like a 23 year old, you know, ruling the world. And then they're like, oh, now you can do this. 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 Now you can do that. And you have to do all the stuff that you used to do. And you have to do it in the same system and the same oh workflow God. with the same amount of staff. Yeah. I, I mean, and with everything going on right now in healthcare, it was just more, right? It was just more yeah. and more and more and more, <laughs> and more and more and more. And I didn't work just in Kindersley. I did some relief work up north. I worked in the Ronge, Saskatchewan. So that's like a primarily indigenous population, really different clientele up there, but still just as crazy. Like it's, you're literally yeah. like, they were doing 500, 600 scripts a day. It's like you're a vending machine. Wow. Yeah. Very little time for real quality care you're not really getting to know your patients like and that's kind of why I had to decide to leave I'm like mm-hmm. I'm a cog in a vending machine mm-hmm. oh I was like people come in they're in pain we give them pills for their symptoms instead of addressing why they have symptoms that's so fascinating yeah so uh and then of course you have to do all your own work to kind of unpack that and like you know is it just me or is it, is there something actually to this? But like, it was so out of alignment. I was like, I'm not actually helping people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I'm just like, and of course you say this that to people and they're like, but people are always going to need pharmacists and drugs. And it's like, well, yeah, you're right. Until mm-hmm. they're ready to not need them anymore, they will need them. But I also don't need to be the person that gives them the pills. Right. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I was, I was like, Again, in unpacking all my own stuff, I was trying to fix other people. I was trying to help other people when they didn't necessarily want it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was frustrating for me to be like, why can't you just see if you would quit eating Eat More Bars after dinner every night that you wouldn't need an amputation for your diabetes? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I burned myself out. Um, totally burned myself out. Like, And when you're a healthcare professional and you like know you need help, it's really hard to get it because... Yeah right? You're cynical and you're skeptical. So it was like, I wasn't going to go to the doctor. Cause I was like, I don't trust them. Like they're horrible. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. That's why I'm here. I'm the pharmacist. <laughs> and I was like, the only thing they're going to do is try and put me on meds. And I knew I didn't want meds. I did an online CBT program. I don't know if you're familiar with cognitive behavioral mm-hmm. therapy, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I did that. Um, but I didn't find it super helpful. Cause it was like, I was so burned out that I was like at the waking up right before work and coming home from work and just like crying on the couch oh my <laughs> and then of course when you get together with your friends and family you're yeah. you're complaining right mm-hmm. it's the job it's the this and, and you're in victim mode and they're just colluding with you they're like oh yeah 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 you sh-. like yeah that sounds horrible like there's no and it's not really support mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah uh so yeah I kind of let myself get to that point and then I hired a life coach because <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. I was actually this close to opening up my own pharmacy. Oh wow! Because I thought that that I thought that that was the answer. So this would yeah. have been 
this would have been like two years ago, actually, like April 2020. Yeah, so April 2019. Yeah, I was having panic attacks at work. Like, it was crazy. And then, and it was, it was just from that, like, lack of alignment. Like, it was like, I don't want to be here. I don't know what else to do. I'm desperate. But there was like this little whisper of like, you can't decide, you can't make any drastic decisions while you're desperate. Like, don't mm-hmm. do it. Like that little whisper of nine to five, Monday to Friday for the next 10 to 15 years mm-hmm. in your hometown. That doesn't sound like that's what you want. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I couldn't make that decision. So I did hire a coach. It was like a terrifying moment. Like I, I think I just spent the first four calls just bawling on the phone. <laughs> it's funny now, but I mean, it's not, but it is. I mean, I, cause I'm a coach now. So I have yeah. the same thing happen. Once people like, yeah get into a space where they feel heard and seen and understood. It just all starts coming out. Yeah. But they don't usually stay that way very long. It's usually like, right. I, people usually turn around very quickly with the work that I do. So, um, yeah, totally burnt myself out in pharmacy, just about open a pharmacy, hired a coach. One of the first things I did in the coaching was I decided to assess my professional like my investment in the profession like how invested was I so I went to the provincial conference in Saskatchewan and then I actually went to the national conference in Toronto so it was like last minute I was like buying plane tickets I was trying to see my family while I was there Um, I was also trying to quit drinking like all of the things all at one time (laughs) I told you I know we're cheaper (laughs) (laughs) so I flew out to Toronto can't remember the exact sequence of events anymore but yeah I flew out to Toronto had kind of my rock bottom moment in Toronto at the conference where I was like no I'm gonna not drink I'm gonna like wake up every morning and meditate and like walk to the conference along the waterfront but they make it so easy this was another kind of revelation I had Mm -hmm. I'm at this professional conference yeah it's supposed to be these professionals these healthcare professionals that are looking after people and everybody was miserable like everybody wasn't just me and all of the social events were just like everybody got hammered and I'm like why I'm like so this is the profession that's supposed to be like serving the people and this is what we're doing to ourselves I'm like this is fascinating um well that's usually how it is at conferences and events like that there's always an open bar or like alcohol of some sort like it's like the norm I guess yeah yeah no it totally is and 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 I I ended up speaking with a lot of students because I think these students were just like, because I was speaking differently than a lot of other people already. I was like, they were looking for some hope. Yeah. Because really the pharmacy pharmacy profession is hurting and especially with everything going on now. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I had a lot of students engaging with me. They were like, how come you weren't up on stage talking? And I wasn't a coach at this point. I was just literally like a broken human that was I had kind of woken up to the whole being present yeah I had started like I was like okay Holly if you're gonna go to work today you're gonna choose to be here it's a choice you walked in the door you need to quit telling yourself that you're you're stuck here like you have to change the story (laughs) so as long as I kept going to the door and then it was like okay you're with a patient so it's like if you're in front of me I'm gonna be with you yeah even if the phone rings I'm not gonna be like Cause I used to split. It was like, Oh shit, I need to go get the phone, but there's a person here. And like, they tell you in your training, you know, always get the phone because the person in front of you can see that the phone is ringing with the person on the phone. Can't tell that you're with someone. 
Right. So you were constantly divided. Like your attention was always divided. I, and that was the other thing I'm like, we're actually probably hurting more people than we're helping. And if you look at up the top causes of, of death, medical misadventure is actually number three. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. This That's is the crazy. thing. People think they go to the doctor and the pharmacist to feel better, but your odds of actually having an intervention kill you are very high. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I was just at this conference and I was like trying to be as present as possible. And there was a, a leadership aspect to it as well. There was a, uh, the chair of the Canadian Pharmacists Association had started a new kind of initiative of women in uh, pharmacy leadership. So I was really interested mm-hmm. in that because there aren't very many like, profession is dominated by women but there's very little women in ownership and um sitting on boards and those kinds of things which I mean now that I'm a couple you know have a couple years of healing under my belt it's like oh well it's because you know the the imbalance of the feminine masculine energy as well you know women Mm -hmm. like I, I did the masculine patriarchal pharmacy go 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 be be, you know do 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 for a decade and it just about killed me so I was like I'm not doing it anymore um yeah I came home from that conference and I just I said to my coach I'm like I think I was like I think pharmacy needs a life coach so I enrolled in life coaching and my plan was originally to work with other pharmacists but the again the more I was the more I kind of did my own work, the more I realized I really did want to help the patients as well. And it wasn't mm-hmm. just the pharmacists. Yeah. Um, plus I still have a little bit of an edge. Like, I think I'm still too close to it. Like I'm still like, eh, I'm really not interested in that profession or like helping people in that profession. Cause I don't necessarily agree with what we're doing in the profession. So, um, but when I do picture like myself, you know, two years ago, sitting on the couch crying, trying to make that decision, I'm also like, oh yeah, they're really all just people. So yeah. that whole bringing people back to the humanity and whatnot. So, uh, and then actually quitting my job was another thing. Like I yeah, that's a huge really step. wanted out, but like my coaching certificate was $10,000. So I was thought I needed to stay and work to pay for that. Wow. And, um plus you need to have you do need to have people to like experiment with right so I got to you know I had a coworker who had crazy anxiety who also was contributing to my anxiety like we were feeding off each other mm-hmm. uh, so as I learned how to ground myself and stay out of that energy just seeing how it impacted her was also really it was really cool actually and then also seeing how as I developed my coaching skills and my ability to ask more questions how my interactions with my patients changed but then I started getting in trouble for spending too much time with the patients (laughs) because I like yeah I think I talked to somebody there was an like a 40 year old gentleman who had come in for like an antidepressant and I said I think I spent about half an hour 45 minutes with him and he's like I have never had this kind of conversation before he's like this has been immensely helpful and you have done more for me than any doctor or therapist I've ever talked to and I was like, cool, I'm so glad. And then I never heard from him again. So I don't know if he found other measures or what he did, but wow. I don't think he ever, t- I don't think he ever took the drugs because he didn't want them in the first place. Oh, wow. So yeah, happens quite a bit. Anyway, yeah. And I, I had originally hoped to be done in 
June of 2020 because I had even gone so far as to like get my replacement hired because I'm such a good person and such an overachiever. Wow. <laughs> but then COVID and she yeah. wasn't able to write her exams and then she failed her exams. And then I, I, did, I finally, I had like two coaches, my therapist and like several friends that were like, so you don't have a reason to stay here. That's actually your reason you're staying because she didn't pass her exams because there's nobody else. They haven't hired someone else for your job, even though they've had like six months notice that you're leaving. <laughs> so yeah, I just picked a date and I quit. Wow. Good for you. Never had, never had an exit interview. I was with that company for 11 and a half years. No, I didn't get an exit. Interview? I didn't get an exit interview. I emailed two people including HR and said, Hey, would there be an opportunity to like do some internal coaching? I could create, you know, help create some online programs, online trainings for our patients since everything's going virtual. Nothing. Nothing. Wow. Just, they just let me walk. Oh my gosh. So yeah. Yeah, So I mean, again, the, the victim story of, Oh, I should be like, you know, they should be following up with me. I was here for 11 and a half years. Aren't I important? And then, you know, you talk to anybody that's left a corporate job. They're like, no, you're just, you're just a number, sweetie. Like mm-hmm. you're literally just a number. <laughs> They'll replace you. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, yep. so I've been out for four months now. Is this, this like weight just lifted off of you now? You know, in a way, like in a way it feels really good, but in a, in a way I'm also like, I'm trying to find my, where my voice is in that. Yeah. Because I think it's important that people realize there is no magic pill. Yeah. If you're if you're not feeling good, but again, that's kind of in the the system and the programming and how we're raised. You know, you have a boo boo or you have an ouchy stomach or whatever. You take a pill. You take a pill. You take a pill. Has here's some gravel. Here's this. Here's that. Um, Let's go to the doctor. Let's go to the expert. Let's go see what's wrong with you. You know, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? It's it's everything's very pathologized. So I'm trying to figure that out. And because it's so divisive right now with COVID and, um, you know, the science is king and the, oh, maybe science isn't king. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm kind of just trying to figure that out and also, you know, get my business started because it's like yeah. at the end of the day, you do have to support yourself and make some money. And, and I really do want to help people. And um, the fact that I've seen some of my clients go from like, suicidal and refusing to tell one soul to like not knowing what their problem was three or four weeks later is pretty this is pretty powerful to be witness to wow that's huge oh Mm -hmm. that's amazing so and I know you you had said in your in your podcast that that seems to be like a recurring kind of thing for you is some of those thoughts coming in Mm -hmm. and whatnot so yeah I've been there. And, and I mean, and I see, I even said that to my coworker that I had worked with for a decade. I'm like, do you know what it's like to have suicidal thoughts? And he's like, no, 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 no. And I mean, I don't know if people are just not honest with themselves, mm-hmm. but I was like, look, I was like, I think you need to hear about what it's like so that you can actually have some empathy for these people. Just cause just, and just cause you don't understand doesn't mean it's actually that even big of a deal. Again, I think we just need to validate more people where it's like, oh, okay. So you're having those thoughts. Let's talk about them. Let's not give them so much credibility. Let's just talk about them. Yeah. 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 And there's so much stigma around even talking about it that like it's such a bad thing and like something that we just can't talk about at all. So yeah, yeah. I like yeah. Well, it's it's. I mean, a big thing that I have in my teaching and training too is the ability to hold space. 
Mm-hmm. And holding space is often, can you sit in your own discomfort while someone else is in theirs mm-hmm. without trying to fix it or take yeah. it away or adjust it? Or Because that's a big part of the problem is, you know, you say, mm, you know, I've had, been having these thoughts and someone else gets uncomfortable. So they want to run away from their own discomfort. Yeah. So they can't hold space for themselves or for, for you or for anyone else. So it's a... Uh, and, and, and even in the medical model, right? As soon as you say anything like that, you're a risk, you need um, more urgent care, you need yeah. more specialized care. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're so broken. You're so broken that only the most special doctor can help you in your special thinking. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what if everybody was just equipped to hold space for that instead of like needing this hierarchical system that's so hard to navigate and access and pay for and whatever. So yeah, I think it's way more important where that we just lead with curiosity, right? It's just like, Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well, tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. And I like to have morbid daydreams of like, what would happen if the meteor hit the world tonight? Hmm. Like what would happen if the power went out and just never came back on? Wow. How would our world change? How would our lives? And, and I say that to sometimes some people, and then they're like, you know, if you ever need to talk to someone, like I'm here. And I'm like, no, no, no. I didn't say it in like a, well, what if the power goes off and never comes back on? You know, I said enough. Hmm, what happens if the power goes off and never yeah, comes back like on? What would we do? <laughs> and it also goes back to all the way to the pharmaceuticals because I'm like, if the power went out and never came back on, how would everybody live without these chemicals? Yeah. So do you think some of your your burnout is was caused by like a combination of your own kind of trauma and struggles and the pharmacy industry and the medical side of absolutely things? yeah absolutely like I think I've I've definitely acknowledged my part in it yeah uh, and I and I do think burnout has a lot to do with the person and that's the problem in treating burnout right. is the people that are experiencing it are in it so we're blaming the environment and everyone else because that's part of burnout yeah right as your your head gets so wrapped up in its own survival mode that it's everyone else's fault Mm -hmm. so the first step to any healing is it's personal like ownership responsibility right and and aware and then self-awareness so i did as much work as i could on myself like including getting a somatic therapist, investing in a $10,000 coaching diploma. Um, I, and I did lots of courses. Like I took an intuitive healing course with another, with another doctor online and I was doing uh, full moon circle, like all sorts of things. And I think you do get to a point where you're like, Oh yeah, maybe it's not just me. Maybe it is actually also the environment. Cause I, I wasn't quite willing to admit that part, but I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is this is a shitty, shitty environment to work in, um, which definitely led to it because it was like, yeah. why are the phones not set up better? Why do we all? Why am I getting interrupted all the time? Because it's like one pharmacist, two assistants, phone ringing, counter. You're trying to do like complex calculations, um, med reviews. You know, look after the nursing home. Try not to kill people, but they need it yesterday while wow. while you're at it. it's pretty it's pretty interesting and and again the pharmacists are scared they're scared to stand up they're scared to say anything Mm because if they do they'll just hire someone younger to Mm -hmm. do it for less money until they burn out it's it's literally a mill 
And that's what the students were saying at that conference. They were like, well, we're scared. Like, are there even going to be any jobs? And if we get a job, is it going to be fulfilling? And it sounds like it's crazy out there. And I'm like, it is. So I don't know. If somebody asked me today if they should be in pharmacy, I would tell them to run like the wind to something <laughs> else, anything else. But you're right. It's safe. It pays yeah. well. It's not going anywhere. It was... There, I, I still, I still see patients on the street that are like, "When are you coming back?" And I was like, "I'm, I'm not." Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm letting my license go. Like, I do not like the thought of stepping foot back in a pharmacy and like just handing people pills when they don't know any better or they've never actually been informed. Yeah, just makes me like, it makes me want to barf. <laughs> like, I can't do it. So. And like, you know, and people I'm, I'm expecting right now, so people are like, oh, if you only went back to work for a couple months, you get maternity leave from the government. I'm like, I don't want the government's money. Like, I, that's how badly I, can, I can't do it. Good for you. Good for you for like making that change and taking that huge risk. But I mean, it seems like you are so much happier now and just. <laughs> well, it is. like I'm in Calgary, my niece and nephew live five minutes away from here mm-hmm. um yeah like I literally it's a 20 minute walk to their house so I put on my running shoes and I went over there the other day and like the look on my niece's face when I walked in the door like ah, bless my heart she's so cute she's like four she's four That's the best. so to get to spend time with these kids yeah when yeah rather than I don't even I don't even know what I was doing I don't even know Cause that's the thing when you're in it, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. you just keep doing it. And, uh, yeah, there was, there was just that question of like, is this it? You know, you kind of get to your late thirties, I think. I don't know how old you are, but I heard not late. Th- I was in my like 29, yeah. 29 was probably like the, what are you doing? It was like the, is this it? You just work and then yeah. pay bills and take like a week long vacation. <laughs> and I was at the point where I didn't really have any friends cause they'd all gotten married and had kids and nobody wanted to travel and, yeah. So I started singles cruising and made out. now I have a, like a international network of friends. Cause I've done so much of that. That is so cool. It is cool. It was very cool. So I get, I'm like, everyone's like, Oh, this is all, I'm like the new normal. I'm like, this was already my normal. I'm like I had friends all over the place. And I mean, aside from the fact that, yeah, I haven't been on a plane since March of 2020, but Again, we could probably talk about that all day, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The thought of, like, singles cruising. Like, it sounds so much, like, so much fun. But it also sounds, like, terrifying to me. Well, it was. And this is the thing. um, Have you ever worked with Coach? No. Okay. So, in coaching, we do a lot of work around identity. So, that's the question of who am I? Mm -hmm. Have you ever asked yourself, who am I? Uh, not really. <laughs> ah, okay. So yeah, 29 years old, I, I kind of, I did, I started asking that question, like, who am I? Yeah. Know, what am I here for? What am I doing? Da, 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 da. And that very first singles cruise was terrifying, but also completely liberating because I left my, not only my country, I left everybody I knew mm-hmm. behind. I met a complete group of strangers, like through a travel agent. This is the thing. It's a facilitated process. Right, right. So, so you're not completely on your own. So you've got a plane ticket and a whatever. And I had never cruised before. It was all new. And I was still drinking at the time. I'm sober. I'm almost two years sober, but I was drinking for sure at the time. 
and I would go, so I, I, yeah, I went to this party, I met all these people, and, and I remember, like, back to the wall, like, kind of wallflowering, and, like, just observing, yeah. and the next day, I got on the ship, and I was like, I can be whoever I want to be, like, I don't yeah. even think I told people I was a pharmacist, because I didn't have to be professional, I didn't have to be this oh. serious, yeah. whatever I thought I was, and yes, I, I, I can thank alcohol for some of it, but the very first day, that very first cruise, I was in front of the entire ship at the sail away party in my bikini hula hooping. Yes. <laughs> oh, this is why we're here to be present, to be joyous, to be open, to be like with each other, to smile and laugh and do goofy things and whatever. Yeah. Like, though, I, so I had lots of those moments. I also had some really not good moments, but. That's like the one that was like, so that's the thing about identities, especially when you get in a situation like that, where you're like, you know, it doesn't matter who I am, where I came from, how old I am, what color my hair is, like nobody knows me. That is such a good point. I've always loved the idea of traveling by myself, but I'm also like terrified to do it. And I know that I'm like, I don't know, a little bit like socially awkward, I think. So when it comes to like meeting new people and being in like this new different setting with a group of people that you've never met before, like that terrifies me, but it also sounds like the best time and like so appealing to me. So I'm like, I'm really torn because I want to travel, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've met so many wonderful people and it's another example too of just like how you don't really know, like you've heard of the butterfly effect? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like you don't really know who you touch and when and like how it affects them yeah. because I've had people like, I don't even actually remember them, but they've like met me on a cruise or traveling or, you know, at the pharmacy and they've been like, Oh yeah, that one thing you said to me or whatever, that thing you did, like you really inspired me to like da da da. And yeah. you're like, okay. Yeah. But I mean, it's kind of all about like, you know, even like I was saying to the pharmacist, I'm like, just, be with your patients like mm-hmm. that whole people don't know like people don't remember what you said people don't remember what you did but they'll remember how you made them feel yeah I, like, I think that that's it's so true it is like yeah. absolutely true yeah yeah so it's all about like can you keep your like can you look at your own energy can you stay like present and alive and open when you're with people because they can feel it even if you know they're completely hijacked Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, we saw, we, we, like, in our mental fitness, we call, um, like, when somebody's sabotaged or, like, in their, like, completely distraught with their emotions, we, we call it an emotional hijacking. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, and I like that language. And, like, my family started using it because they can, it's like, oh, that, you know, my husband's hijacked. I'm going to not talk to him. Because, right <laughs> he can, like, your inner yeah. ear actually closes. Like, you're not actually listening when you're hijacked. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, right. If I, so instead of me being over here going, oh my God, I can't believe they're having a tantrum tantrum. It's just like, what's going on with them has nothing to do with me. Just going to like, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to like turn around and meditate or maybe you are, but it's just, uh, yeah, the mental fitness practices, a lot of it's just like using little tiny steps to come back to your body and just always I don't know. One of the analogies I use is like windshield wiping your thoughts away, mm-hmm. or like kind of bubble popping, you know, all the 
CBT therapy type techniques they can give you for, for thought awareness. Um, but then we take it a step further. So we're like, stop the emotion, like stop it, just notice it, stop it, notice it. Uh, and then we encourage like what's called the self-command muscle, which is like actually choosing to shift. You're like, oh, I'm going in a hijack or I am hijacked and I don't want to be, I want to be this instead. So you choose and we teach um, PQ reps. So they're just like 10 seconds of focused attention on one of your five senses, hmm, okay. which is like the root level of it activates the different parts of your brain. So if you've got your saboteur, sabotage, survival brain on the kind of the left, kind of more of your right brain and your hippocampus and your prefrontal neocortex, all the brain stuff, um, you can actually activate it by coming into your body mm-hmm. and accessing like your inner wisdom and your innate, like your gut instincts and stuff. But when you're hijacked and you're over in this left brain, yeah. you don't have access to any of that. Wow. So it's, it's all about just, you have to be able to notice it. You have to be able to come back to yourself and then also forgiveness. Cause it's like, you gotta have compassion for yourself. And that's, and that's the last thing is just shifting um, to the sage perspective, which is either accept what's going on or turn it into a gift or opportunity, or even activate one of the five su- sage superpowers, which is just like empathy, curiosity, mm-hmm. gratitude, peace, joy, all of those things. Mm-hmm. So you shift into that and you're golden. So you're not necessarily bypassing because um, you're still acknowledging the negative emotion, but mm-hmm. you're using it as the, as the signal that it's meant to be, not like staying with it. So the analogy is you get your hand on the hot stove. Mm-hmm. Do you leave your hand on the burner? Mm-hmm. No. You take your hand off the burner and then you figure out what to do. But when we get hijacked or into those places, it's like trying to figure things out while you're still on fire so it's not it's not very helpful but yeah it's been life-changing stuff for sure I was writing prescriptions for it before I left the store (laughs) oh wow (laughs) well you know somebody comes in and they're very obviously I don't I didn't I don't think I talked to a single person that wasn't struggling in the last year of my job so yeah have you ever heard of positive intelligence no Mm. I'll send you, I'll text you the link, but yeah, there's a, like, I work with a company called Positive Intelligence and they're they're kind of the originators of the mental fitness and um, we're using it in coaching now because like coaching is great. I love, I love coaching. Um, I've had a lot of beautiful, done a lot of beautiful work with a lot of beautiful people inside coaching, but even in my own experience with it was, I felt really good for the first couple months and then I kept falling back into the old patterns Mm -hmm. and there were things that I couldn't get past uh like my fear of being seen uh, which doesn't isn't very good if you're trying to run an online business (laughs) um and I was really struggling with that am I going to coach pharmacists or am I going to coach just anyone so the mental fitness piece was really integral for me being able to move ahead with my business and being able to help people because it's actually like a sustainable practice that rewires your brain so that you're no longer always getting stuck on those hangups and those patterns or falling back. So we now I do like insight and like the actual practice of changing your, your mind. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. not as it's not as fluffy as being like, 
Oh, imagine yourself in a situation three months from now, and what is it that you would want, and how would you be feeling, and how are you going to get there, and da 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 da. Because uh, if you're an, if you're an emotional hijack all the time, you know, ninety five percent of the time, it's really hard to stay committed to your goals and mm-hmm. take action and get out of bed and all of those things. Wow. So, yeah, so pretty pretty transformational. I really would love for it to be taught in schools, and it's contagious. So. Um, oh, like yeah. I were just, yeah, like I had a client this morning who was really not good a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, she got on the phone today and she's like, I can't believe it. She's like, I really, she's like, I didn't think this was possible. Oh, so that's amazing. Mm, oh, I know. See, and like, that's the thing where you're like, oh, that feels so good. And that's yeah. why I became a coach because of that. That's why this feels so good. You know, being in your heart and being present with other people and yeah. just like getting to witness them transform transform like yeah it's, oh it's absolutely. transforming so they're actually no longer like al- and alchemizing it's like taking all the pain and the trauma and the, the disappointments and mm-hmm. all the drama and you're actually like alchemizing it into like oh well that all happened that happened for a reason now of course when someone's hijacked and you say to them oh well everything happens for a reason it doesn't work because they're hijacked but mm-hmm. on the other side of that there can be that acceptance of like well you know even though I don't think that it should have happened it did so can I accept it mm-hmm. and process it and you know that kind of stuff so so do you consider yourself like a life coach or a health coach or or wh- how do you classify what you do uh, I call myself a life coach and a mental fitness trainer okay a mental fitness trainer yeah yeah, life coach, mental fitness trainer. And people are either confused or intrigued by the mental fitness training part because yeah. I haven't really heard that before. <laughs> no. Uh, I think it, yeah. I've never and, heard and, of it. Mm-hmm. So most people kind of, and even a light, like a, you say life coach and people are, I think the first instinct is like, haha, cool. Like, what does that, what does yeah. it even mean? Yeah. Um, and I was kind of sort of trying to find like a different way to say it but at the same time it's like you know what I am a life coach like I Mm -hmm. I love helping people with all of their problems because like some people are relationship coach career coach um anxiety coach I have debated I have debated going more along the anxiety route and giving it that name but I'm also I also don't love titles I don't love titles and labels that's another uh thing I have kind of against the healthcare system and right. the mental health industry for sure industry well, mental health in general is like we're so quick to give people labels yeah and again yeah. on that identity level I was talking about uh, when we identify with the labels we've been given it can be really limiting yeah absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I found that really even with my patients at the pharmacy I found it really disappointing and disempowering for them because they'd see like a psychiatrist for like five minutes and I did I had a a young woman this beautiful woman come in and she's like Holly she's like you've known me for years the psychiatrist just talked to me for 10 minutes and he told me I'm bipolar and gave me this prescription what do you think yeah yeah and I had to you know I just let her kind of I'm like well what do you how do you feel about that yeah. And she's like, why? Well, she's like, I don't, I don't think that that's right. She's like, I hardly talk to him. And like, how can he just make that decision in 10 minutes? And this is what's happening. 
Mm-hmm. You know, people are, people are, you know, burnt out, stressed, you know, have been in a pandemic for a year and they don't know where to go and they don't, and they leave it so long. And then they finally go to a doctor or they talk to somebody and it's like, well, yeah. you're depressed, have this pill, yeah. enjoy and yeah. I have the other point of view from the pharmacist side of, of like, if I questioned any of it, the doctors are like, well, Holly, you know, if I don't write this prescription, what if something happens? Well, yeah, exactly. Which is, which is fear. They're prescribing out of their own fear. Yeah. Part of it. If yeah. you think about it that way, because it's like, oh, well, if I, it doesn't, if it doesn't show in their chart that I intervened with a pill, then, you know, I have no proof that I did anything. It's like, well, you could have sat and listened for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but, they, but they don't. And it, it got worse with the pandemic, too, because, like, the clinic yeah. that I worked with, um, they shut the doors, like a lot of clinics did. Wow. So they were no longer seeing people face-to-face. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty interesting, for sure. Anyway, I can't remember how I got there, but I'm like, "Ah." do you think the pandemic brought up like new uh, mental health issues in people, like all the depression and the anxiety and things like that? Or do you think those were always kind of there in the background and they're just kind of being brought forward by the stress and everything? My, like my personal belief and you know, from my, ex- my own experience and my experience in healthcare and having my coach training and my mental fitness practices and all that, um, and going all the way back to labels mm-hmm. again, I don't, I'm one of those people that's kind of like, I don't know if I believe in mental illness. I, I think we all enter these states. Yeah. yeah. I think we all enter these states of sadness, anxiety, and we don't know how to interpret them as right. physiologic physiologic messages from our body and we just try and make them go away and we get stuck in them and I do I I do I find it very disheartening that we we have this whole system that's set up on Mm -hmm. well your insurance only gets paid if we know what's wrong with you so there must be something wrong with you and so many people are then focusing on well, I must have a problem. There must be something wrong with me. I shouldn't feel like this if I was normal. And so uh, I definitely do think the pandemic has exacerbated a lot of issues that people probably did already have. And I think it's also shining a light on the fact that people do not have coping skills. They mm-hmm. yeah. are lacking resilience. Definitely. Um, and again, it's one of the, we're not taught these things. Like, from if you think about it a little kid because I hang out with little kids I know that little kids are very in their body they're very present um and I know that ego formations like right around three four years old so I've watched my neck my niece I've I'm watching her ego develop right now and I I can see the same things that happened with me and my family happening to her and a lot of it is not mental illness I don't think again it's I think it's really just like our own inability to regulate our nervous system to get ourselves out of that emotional hijack, to stay present. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, that whole space, I think a lot of parents don't know how to hold space for their own emotions and never mind their children's. So we get a lot of, you know, be quiet. Don't be so dramatic. You know, don't be so big. Don't be so loud. Don't be so whatever. Just because 
again, for, if the parents were more resilient and able to manage their own stuff. And, and, and then we call it underlying mental illness. And I'm like, I don't think the whole world is an underlying mental illness. I just think we lack, you know, resilience. Nobody's teaching nervous system regulation. Nobody's teaching like how normal this is and how even, you know, the high achieving, super successful people have thoughts going through their mind. Like most of them are miserable. Mm-hmm which was also the thing like when I actually got honest and started telling people how I was struggling they were like you you the successful pharmacist with the fancy truck that travels all the time and da 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 and it's like yeah me yeah thanks (laughs) (laughs) it's like like people act like you don't have the right to feel that way because you are successful and because you have this life and you have this money and everything else that you don't have a reason or, or a right to complain about it. Mm-hmm. Which I think we saw too. I didn't, I didn't watch the Meghan Markle interview that came out with her and the Prince. I don't know if you heard of that or saw that. I didn't watch it. I saw like little clips of it, but. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there was some stuff that came up about that too. It was like, yeah. That example of like someone in with her amount of privilege and resources and could, couldn't get yeah. the help. And people are like, well, I don't believe that. Yeah. And it's like, and often we do do it to ourselves. Like there is that, mm-hmm. um, as like, again, I don't love the labels, but typically like white people that are comfortable, we do diminish our own problems. Cause we're like, Oh, well, so many other people have it worse than I do. And yeah. we're just in, and we're invalidating yeah. ourselves. So yeah. We but talked again, about we, like white people problems or like first world problems and stuff like that. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't mean that what's going on, in our brains and our bodies aren't real mm-hmm. like it doesn't mean we're not having that experience because that's the thing yeah and it doesn't mean you have to agree with the experience or think that the the uh reaction is uh what the word be like suitable because you know when somebody's super dramatic or has this blowout and you just don't even understand mm-hmm. it just doesn't match the scenario uh we're quick to be like well that was inappropriate or shouldn't have happened or da 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 and it's like you but it did and if we just it maybe encourage more of that or there were places for that like with my four-year-old niece like it's I've been trying to help her with somatics you know well what happens in your body when you get mad at your friend for taking your toy like tell me um anyway it's 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 all it's all I think very good are you familiar with this do you know when Nicola Perra no this is an amazing book i'm not quite done it but she's got an instagram account and a lot of the stuff that i've said here today about like nervous system regulation and she was a traditionally trained psychologist in the states with like a master's degree very similar story to mine Mm -hmm. realized she wasn't really helping people doing what she was doing realized she had a lot of her own issues and problems oh did you post about her recently yeah, I share her work quite okay. a bit. Yeah, I think I saw that. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm gonna so look into that. And I, and I mean, again, it's like I love finding this kind of stuff because it also just confirms that I'm on the right path because the stuff that I teach and train in is like very similar to hers, but it's already in a nice little program and it's simple mm-hmm. and it's teachable. Because um, I don't think I think that we need to uncomplicate things. Yeah. Because again, we're 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 making like access to things Mm -hmm. it's that whole like 
people need to get to the resources that can actually help them and know where to find them and they need to be simple and easy to use and mm -hmm. available. Thanks for tuning in today. Tune in next week for part two of my conversation with Holly as we dive more into mental health and the concept of mental fitness. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Feel free to reach out at any time. You can contact me on Instagram and Facebook at StompTheStigmaYYC and you can email me at StompTheStigmaYYC at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. And if you or someone you know would like to come on, I would love to have you share your story, speak your truth, and together we can stomp the stigma.